This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Isle of Dogs, Indian Horse, Itzok, and The Rider. And at the E-Bar, on the 14th is an author event with David Alexander Robertson. On the 15th is a book launch for Michael Barclay's The Never-Ending Present. On the 16th is Bachata Bash. On the 17th is RuPaul's Drag Race. On the 18th is Fierce, Guelph's only monthly queer dance party. And on the 19th is Guelph Poetry Slam as well as Hip Hop Grime Goth Night. And at the bookstore on the 16th is a book launch for Sherry Griffin's Raising Amazing Chicks, The First Seven Days. The Bookshelf is an independently owned bookstore, bar, music venue, movie theater, and restaurant located at 41 Quebec Street. For more info about The Bookshelf's hours, listings, blogs, directions, accessibility, and to order books from their online store from anywhere in the world, please visit bookshelf.ca. As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. On today's episode of Android's Dungeon, adventures in a magical land far, far away. Who is part of it? What's going on? We'll keep you up to date. And also, Joel and Jack break down what they've been up to recently. Hint, involves placing tiles. Which one of us likes more than the other? Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario, Canada, blah, 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 Milky Way, nonsense. Um, Joel, do you know how impractical it is, the idea of mining asteroids right now? How impractical is it? It's very impractical. So if somebody tries to sell you some bunk about mining asteroids, and they're not talking about terraforming Mars, or... Uh, some some major CEO has dr- dumped a lot of money into that. It, I, I think the issue is not... Essentially, it's a great idea and concept, because I, I believe an asteroid went by that had... And the cool thing about asteroids is that because there's no Earth's gravity um, pushing things, that's one of the main issues, is that minerals just sink lower and lower and lower uh, into the Earth, so they get more and more difficult to get at. Mm. Whereas uh, an asteroid, it's all just... Can, can be just on the surface. Whew. And so... Diamond th- surface asteroids. Well, yeah, it's... I think there's... There are entire... Diamonds are actually one of the most common elements, I think, in the actual... If you actually look at, um... The universe, because there can be entire planets made of diamonds. Mm. Um, I'm not sure which... I think on Earth, I think rubies and emeralds are actually the most valuable. Mm. In terms of... Rarest? rarest right? Diamonds, that's its own thing. Um... But on on the asteroids, I think one went by that had just like five hundred billion dollars or worth of platinum just sitting right there, and Ooh. just like people watch it just go by. Because what are you going to do with it? Like, how are you going to mine this? How are you going to get this? Bring it back, and how are you bringing all this stuff? You put to get reverse it? boosters on it. I think <laughs> <laughs> Armageddon. I know. Like Bruce Willis figured out how to stop an asteroid, or at least push it somewhere. Or did it become a moon? I can't remember what happens. He to blew it. it up so that it all went to the sides. <laughs> he split the bullet on the... <laughs> and then, they, you know, they have that uh, 2D interface on the computer. They did it! And it's just dots <laughs> coming <laughs> on either <laughs> side of the Earth. <laughs> it looks good Score. enough to me. 
uh, Android's Dungeon show about uh, mining asteroids. Yeah. And occasionally board games and movies and whatever else we feel like. Um, What's that? Uh, Super Motherload? Super Motherload. Quality That's, game. So speaking of, we haven't played it recently, but Super Motherload is equivalent of the board game equivalent of Dig Dug. Yep. And I wish there was an expansion. I would. I don't know why. I think it's sold pretty well. I'm just surprised. And it, what do I like about games? It's a deck builders, deck building, and board states. <laughs> yeah. So it's not just a pure deck builder. Even though that came up in conversation, people okay. were talking about like what what deck builders do you like? And somebody was moral on your side. Like Dominion's the best, but I hate it because it's so boring and yep. it's and it's just so dry. And I don't I don't want to play it ever again. Um, it laid the foundations. It laid the foundations, and someone, and then I think, luckily, the the thread kind of moved in the opposite direction, where Valley of the Kings was being used as an example of, hmm. like, if you want to really intrigue people, and it plays differently at all player counts, because at two players you can have with multiple sets, and at four players you're scrounging to make sets because everyone's yep. just playing cutthroat. But um, Joel, what have you been playing recently? Hooey! You know, it's funny because the weather's so good. It's so difficult. But but we've actually I've actually played a ton of board games, a ton of games. Well, board games more or less. But okay, uh, we did that uh, magic drafting. So let's talk about the magic draft. Uh, good friend of the show, maybe, uh, probably not. Hopefully, uh, good friend <laughs> of us though, uh, Rodrigo. Uh, hosted, he bought a nice big box of uh, Dominaria. Yeah, right? sure. Dominaria, uh, the newest version of Magic. So hot right now. But now I'm, we're making a leap here. But briefly, what is Magic? It's it's a Magic. The Gathering is poison. <laughs> <laughs> it's what they call a CCG or a collectible card game. Dun. Done. And it's it's one of those things like World of Warcraft. It's like not even once. Warcraft. Watch out. World of Warcraft's cheaper. World of Warcraft is cheaper, but it was a money drain and a mm. time drain because you had to pay a monthly subscription. The, the time drain on WoW is way bigger, depending on how addicted to. I mean, involved in because you love playing it so True. much. True, yeah. but you could. What is it? Twenty five a month for WoW? I think. And Twenty five a month would last you a long time you in Magic. Could to be honest, draft Magic. Every Friday, pay well, ten bucks each time, and then it's going to cost you a bit about more. forty bucks. Yeah. You don't need to go to every draft, but we're we're already ahead of ourselves. So it's a yep. collectible card game, been around since the mid nineties. Yep. It is the granddaddy of CCGs. Some fool may try to come up with you and tell you about Yu Gi Oh or Pokemon cards, and you just you say ha, and then you also say wrong. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> I finally queued it up. We're moving up in the world. <laughs> we got sound effects. Wait, I'll try to get the trigger fingerboard here with all the different wrongs. <laughs> but um, fancy. It, it's a huge game owned by. It was Wizards of the Coast, who used to be their own thing, I believe. Now they're owned by Hasbro, which tells you Hasbro only touches things that makes lots of money. And uh, it is a game where it's a deck construction game, not a deck builder, because you already have your deck constructed at the time and then you're just hoping yep. hopefully the drawing into stuff and the kind of idea is you make yeah you make what you think will win and then you throw it against somebody else's deck yeah so the game's been around for a while and one of the formats you can do is called a draft and in this case uh well why don't you describe it joel what, what was the draft in this time well, the, the goal of the draft is it's a great equalizer mm-hmm. you've got a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds with a lot of different collected cards right and some of the cards are very expensive and hard to acquire and usually that's because they're very good yeah you can pay to win in magic quite easily if you sink down cash you can have a deck that is uh, mathematically you're gonna win so those the people with those decks that they've built that 
are uh, down on on the internet and on paper quality decks very expensive very good decks they're playing what's called constructed Mm -hmm. which means you've pre-built your deck based off of whatever is legal at the time which some (laughs) cards are too good to be legal or they just make old stuff illegal so people make you buy the new ones um but drafting is is a great experience because it puts everybody on the same playing field everybody opens packs at the exact same time they pick one card and they pass the rest to the left and we just keep on doing that with three to five packs until you all have say about 50, 40 cards 50 cards um it's less than that you you throw in the mana and stuff to make the mm. 40 or whatever but yeah so so <clears> you <throat> end up with whatever amount of cards you get and you have to be keeping in mind that you can't just take what you want you are you have to end up building a deck out of what you've picked so everybody drafts um some people just draft to what is it called money drafting yeah rodrigo made a comment about money drafting after i passed in my first cards and i was like oh geez what have i done already (laughs) maybe you gave up something worth Uh, i thought i pretty penny i won't get into it but uh it may have been worth that's what it is so it's if you're trying to win the game or the tournament it's something that you can see right away you're like oh i want this versus maybe something that is worth like if you were to go to the second hand market where all these cards that's where the monetary values come from which we'll get into very shortly because yeah. uh but i was thinking about that and i was thinking okay well i'm paying 15 dollars <clears throat> to draft four decks yeah or four four packs was it four that we did or was it three four wow and then the prize pool is four packs yeah so wouldn't it be more worthwhile to just win the tournament and get four more packs than pick valuable cards which would be sort of yes, unless someone like, oh, let's say, mm, Joel B. Uh, no, that's too specific. <laughs> let's say Jay Bryant. Handsome JJB. Uh, Joel, what happened is in your first pack? My first pack, the first card I looked at, um, I had spoken to somebody the day before who said, if you see a blue-white planeswalker, hold on to it. It's worth about 50 bucks. And there it was. And so I put it down, face down, quietly, and continued to draft the rest of the thing. I, I would not have and been able to keep that quiet. And obviously, I knew I had to pick blue and white from then on yeah. if I was going to play with this Planeswalker. And sure enough, I uh, looked it up afterwards, and it was it's at like 38 US dollars right now. Yeah. Which is fantastic. So I kept that, and yeah. Who won the tournament? JJB. Dun, 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 dun. So the way that the tournament works is that everyone gets randomly assigned at the from the get-go, and you play against one other person. And based on the win-loss here, you kind of build a bracket where um, the people that won play against each other, people that lost play against each other, and then I think the, the mid-tier, <laughs> they just get randomly drafted to each other. And you just work your way up. And um, I ended up going... Um, I lost my first game, I won my second, I won my third. Uh, Joel went win, win, win. And Rodrigo, I don't think, won a single one, did he? No, he, he rebuilt his deck every single Rodrigo time. Rodrigo had the roughest time of the yeah, bunch. He tried to go pure monocolor red, yeah. which is a whole other topic. It's colors. Yeah, so each of the... Maybe I'll even... No, I can't do it. It's each of the... Uh, to get into it, magic is themed around these worlds, and you have mountains, swamps, plains, islands, and forests, and they all kind of work together depending on the sets, and sometimes when you're building a deck, you want to go mono, which means you're only drawing one type of mana, which is the energy you use to power all your spells, and if there's only one type, that means every mana you draw is going to be useful for you. As soon as you decide to do, let's say, red-green, now you need 
mountains and forests and you're splitting up the mana. So part of the issue with magic that I kind of brought up briefly is that the randomness of the cards coming up can be one of these things where you could have the greatest deck in the world. If you've just shuffled it in a certain way and you draw nothing, no mana or all mana, you're just sitting there just clenching your eyes and thinking, what have I done? As yep. somebody wails at you with everything. Yeah, I got real lucky in the finals. The first game, <clears throat> my opponent got stuck on two land. Come on. Really? See, that's what happened to me for the, my first game with that guy was he didn't get anything and just smoked him and just like gradually, and I just kept putting out stuff, and he... Nothing. Nothing. Oh, I'm discarding it. It was. Yeah. It's not a fun... I, that's not very entertaining. He act, yeah, he actually got beyond his hand limit, which yeah, is really painful. sad to see. That's when you know, okay, this is over. Yeah. Um, but did you enjoy it? Absolutely. It was so much fun. And that's the thing, Jack. It was too much fun. It was way too much fun. And I looked at this deck and I was like, oh, I won with this deck and I can play with it more. Oh, and now I, I can, can refine challenge it. Challenge Darren and do, you know, go into Canvas and play. And I was like, wait a minute, Joel, you know yourself. Don't do it, Joel. You know your personality. You cannot keep these cards because you know what happens next. Uh, I was briefly involved with a CCG um, called Legend of the Five Rings. Yeah, you mentioned this. And I ended up... <laughs> broke on the streets just doing anything for a booster. Yeah, I'll drop $100 and oh, no! uh, we'll each open up a box. <laughs> you know, it's just like... Uh, for, from Jack's random spending, even that hurts him. It's like, <laughs> oh man! But was it fun? Oh, it was, it was too much fun. <laughs> I have too much fun with these things, Jack. And that's one of the issues with these yeah. collectible card games is that the cynic looks at it, and it is a business designed to keep you coming back more and more. And if you're just buying boosters here and there, and you can, you're fine with that. Good. The unfortunate reality is, it's more cost-effective by a booster box, and those run you, what do you think, 140, 150? Yep. Somewhere around there. And it's, which, honestly, if you like the hobby, you've got friends who like the hobby, just do it. I, that's the way to do it, as long as it doesn't turn into something where it's a weekly booster box buy. <laughs> but even then, if you have enough people and everyone's just pitching in, and it turns out to be, like, the most cost-effective method, that's the way to do it. And that's actually something I do regret when I was playing Magic, was that I played with another guy that, um, if we just split booster boxes... It would have been more cost-effective than, like, a Friday reward of walking up to the comic book shop and getting... They had a deal, like, mm -hmm. if you buy three boosters, you, it's, like, this price. And it was fun, but it wasn't, like, the the smart way to do it. But, right, yeah. But at the end of the day, magic is can be very addicting in that you just... You, you want to make your deck better, and then once you start looking at it and you go, Oh, well, I, I'm not, I haven't cracked this guy yet for my boosters... Uh, I guess I'll just buy it, and then the money really starts draining from you. It's the thing. Everybody's hunting for that Planeswalker, yeah. the one we're talking about. And if you need it for your deck, maybe you will pay the $50 for it, right? It's insane to me. Insane. Yeah. I can remember I was in Dave's, which is the Dave's Pop Culture in Ladner, BC, um, and a guy walked in and bought two cards, and he dropped $1,300. Don't don't say that. No joke. You're I saying he happen. had thirteen? Did he have cash? Was it cash? <laughs> no, he used the card, credit card. Can you imagine that bill, <laughs> <laughs> honey? <laughs> What's this on the card? At Dave's, you spent thirteen hundred. How many games did you buy? <laughs> oh, I didn't buy any games, honey. I just bought two cards. <laughs> They were really good cards. Really though. nice So cards. what do you buy, like a, a Black Lotus or something? It was, yeah. I don't know if it was the Black Lotus, but it was one of the lands in that vein, basically. Just a land that's Super land. old, rare, and they realized it was way too good really quickly and yeah. only made like 12 of them. Oh, wow. 
So that's where you get into it, where like they've gotten things have gotten so crazy now that how long before, like twenty years down the road, we're talking about like how broken some of these cards were that they're so rare because they were so crazy. Because there's been this power creep where they just keep adding features to cards that are nuts. There's a blue card I saw. It's one blue mana. Mm-hmm. You draw three. Your opponent discards three. That was one blue mana. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> It, it, blue has just been a constant frustration and i for some i'm dedicated to the black i love the swamp cards i love the look of them and i think they're fun but it's just like every time i look i just see i'm outclassed by <laughs> i think green is my favorite but i'm always just sitting there waiting to get my big monsters out while you know something comes and walks over me well that was one there's i drafted i don't know if i took two of them or, or i just put one in but one of the guys and it, i was I never got to do it because it didn't. It just didn't work. But one of the creatures was this uh, Cabal Cleric, or I think it was a Skin Witch or something, where you could sacrifice two creatures on your board, and you can bring something either from your graveyard or your hand straight into play, uh, which is awesome. No summon. I don't think there was summoning sickness. I think it just goes into. It. It's like you've just moved it. You're not summoning. You're nice. bringing it. And I was thinking, oh, how cool would it be to actually just dump some big heavy hitters or something right in there from wherever you want. And especially when you had all the sapperlings sitting there, yeah. you think, oh, they're just fodder. It's so easy. And things that eat them. But it never worked. Not once. Yeah. And I'm just looking at these cards the entire time going, well, that was a waste. You know, it's funny. I had all these workarounds in my deck. But the one thing I was going for was I got this legendary human who said that one health creatures can't be blocked. So I made a whole bunch of two ones and three ones, Thinking, and I was going to, you know, play her with it. Yeah. I got her once. Oh. But two ones and three ones are pretty good when they're cheap. No, she, <laughs> and especially when they can just, like, can't block them. Yeah. Especially just, when you uh, throw in a couple one mana flying. And you buff them, too. Like, oh, like you can't get by. And it's like, oh, well, though, I wonder how it would work. Would it go on a stack? Because they've already... He can't block them, and then you buff them after he can't assign blockers, and then they turn in like four fours or oh yeah, got the charge plus one plus charge. One that's to everything. It. Yeah, that was had a couple of those. So we're getting into the weeds here a little bit on the, <laughs> the magic, but you can tell we both we're both fond of the game. But it's I, I I don't think you could pay me to get into the hobby again. You know what I would recommend to anybody interested in magic? Here we go. Uh, Steam has fantastic magic games. They're clunky. They're really clunky and uh, don't work very well function-wise, but mm-hmm. all the cards are there. And that's the point, is all the cards are there. <clears throat> There's very challenging campaigns in it. The, you could probably drop 30 to 50 hours just playing single-player until you get into the multiplayer. And then the multiplayer has a decent community. And then you're looking at all the physical cards of Magic, but you're not paying a penny. You pay, I don't know, 10 bucks for the game, and that's it. Hmm. Well, that's not bad, because I know in the, the past, Magic's had a bad reputation for trying to replicate the the CCG aspect digitally, where you mm. you start off with a base set, and then they want you, they're nickel and diming you on getting more and more of this stuff. But considering how the tolerance for that stuff seems to have just climbed when I wasn't looking for <laughs> DLC. Well, you can play for boosters, or you can buy boosters. Yeah. So there are boosters available to buy. And actually, when I looked at the <clears> value <throat> of that card, it does have an online value, mm. which is around 20 US. Yeah, better than nothing, I guess. Yeah. Um, the last thing I'll say about Magic is that um, I don't know if you've ever seen any of these. Um, I, I think it's called a. It, it's something involving bitmaps and how you can, with a, a certain type of code for it, you can cycle images on it and you can basically recreate create the illusion of a bitmap that's changing colors or, or like a GIF would or a GIF, but it's uh, something else. So there's an artist called I think his name is Tony Ferrari. 
and there was a Magic the Gathering computer game back in the 90s for DOS, and he drew these backgrounds for it, but the backgrounds are beautiful, and they're this neat, um, I'm not going to say pixel, because that's not doing it justice, but it's, it's low res, like kind of a 16, 32-bit aesthetic to them. And um, what you can do with this, these images he's drawn is that they're designed to be manipulated. So you can change the way the code is being rendering. So now you can make it look like nighttime just by altering certain lines. So the sky is being, so it's like you're cycling the numbers or the color palette in a certain way. Hmm. And it's pulling up others. So the sky goes dark, but this, the little spots turn brighter white. So now you've got stars. And there are a couple of little things where people have had music to it as well. So just, I'm not talking about like a rock and roll soundtrack, but just little ambient tracks of like... So what would you search to find this? I think you, if you search, um, and I don't want to screw this up, but I'll post it on the uh, on one of our social media accounts. Um, but I'm pretty sure if you search Ferrari backgrounds, yeah, <laughs> and you get and a bunch I've of cars, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I think Ferrari Magic the Gathering... Um, backgrounds, you should get it. But it's really it is one of the most relaxing things I've ever seen. And this is such a nerdy thing. But the it's the mark of a good artist that you look at these and your mind just races with the possibility of like just these simple images, but the worlds that are created. Is it in, is it in a game or is it just... They were in a game. They were backgrounds from Magic the Gathering in the old some old games from Magic nice. on the computer um, that are probably impossible to play today, even on DOS walks, but who knows? And before we <clears> walk away from magic, I should say that it's, it's definitely not just a CCG anymore. Mm-hmm. There are tons of video games that are built. There's a board game. that's apparently supposed to be okay. Yeah, it's a decent board game. And, uh, yeah, they've definitely expanded their successful marketing and they're, they're a staple of any, uh, any successful game shop too. It's they a beast. A like huge you, amount of you have to. There's no choice, and, and when we the next uh, shop post we have on, I'm sure we'll say the exact same thing, that magic is borderline essential to make a profit on this stuff. All right, so enough about magic. Joel won the tournament. Good job, Joel. Yeah, got rid of the card so he didn't get too addicted. <laughs> Kept the valuable one or two? I sold it uh, for $20. You sold it. There it is. $20 cash in the pocket. Yep. Nice. How about you? What have you been playing lately? Um... It's been, um, it's been one week. <laughs> I hate it so much. It, it's, as far as board games go, I think this week was kind of a, a low one because, uh, just been exhausted. So you come home and by the time you finish like doing chores and making dinner, you just sit on the couch and you're like, oh, well, it's already eight o'clock. <laughs> what do you want to do now? Um, but I try to squeeze in a little bit of, um, Far Cry 5 when I get a chance. And for those, I don't know, I don't think we've talked about it on the show yet, but it's obviously the fifth game in a series, um, the fifth official mainline sequel, because there's been a couple off ones like Blood Dragon and Primal. um, And the whole uh, shtick of Far Cry is they're computer games, but they're not consoles, and they're open world. So they generate this giant island or kind of enclosed space, and you're allowed to run around, do whatever you want. They're first-person shooters, action-adventure games. And this one is set in Montana. And the premise of the game is that you're a deputy that's gone into uh, this strange place in Montana called Eden's Gate. Not Eden's Gate. Um, I don't know. Something falls. or so- Eden's Falls or f- screw it. But there's this <laughs> cult that's taken over in this. Um, and you, is you, it always a cult? No. In this one, it's actually like there's a distinct religious element. And it's got this whole sort of... Um, Kind of like semi-Jonestown vibe because the leader of it is this uh, fellow who's this super religious, like obviously has Christian uh, overtones, but nothing too 
nothing too explicit. Like they're not talking about Jesus coming back or any of these things. They're trying to keep it sort of tasteful enough that people can't get too mad. But he does have a giant sort of cross tattooed on his back, but it's just like a straight up cross as opposed to something else. But you go in to take him and he tells, he looks at you in the eye and says, God will not let you take me. And then you get up in a helicopter and his followers are throwing themselves a helicopter and throwing themselves in the helicopter blades, trying to stop it. And then your helicopter crashes and you're stuck in this open world where you're trying to kill his lieutenants. You want to try to kill him. And he's got all these brothers doing things and there's bears you're fighting and you're riding ATVs off of mountains. And the game is all over the place in its tone because there are parts that are actually, I think, fairly dark and well-written and there are other parts that are completely goofy like there are these side missions called clutch nixon and he's this kind of evil knievel-esque guy that they've set up these memorials and there's all this like spinning fireworks and when you activate them there's this goofy like flame exploding and this eagle flying through the screen and it's all about him doing something outrageous like clutch nixon uh, drank eight beers and then flew his plane through the mountains upside down and you have to recreate his adventures in a time time travel Time, time, time trial, but at the end of the day, it's it's like it's GTA, uh, Grand Theft Auto Three meets um, maybe something like um, Crisis, and that you have an open world, but there are these missions that you do, and some are different in tone than others, which I think is the biggest problem with the game because aside from it being a little too easy, is the you can go from uh, trying to liberate people being sort of like tortured in uh, like a, a dog kennel to these like, I don't know, goofy missions where you have to catch the biggest fish in the, the world that's <laughs> in order for this uh, woman to get out of this dinky town. And it's just, it's fun, but it's it's kind of dumb at the same time. But you can pick up and stop. And that's what I like with it is that these mission-based games, you can, it's, you can play for half an hour and then you just, okay, I did that mission, done. So you're having fun, but you just don't respect this game. It's very pretty, <laughs> but it's not a good game. That's it's not a good game. The you just play too many. You, there's after you've killed like I'm pretty sure I've killed five thousand people or something, and, <laughs> and you, you just stop caring. So it's one of these quantity versus quality issues. Take us through the series. Have you have you played some of the other ones? I didn't play one. Didn't play two. I played three to completion. Didn't play four. No, I started four, and this is where we are. How about you? One of these I know was it on a tropical island or something. Well, that was three. Yeah. Well, but the first one was kind of tropical. I think second one was South Africa. From three, three. You see the ones with because the three a lot of people loved, and I think it was even it had all the same problems five has, but worse. But it was kind of the first kind of new direction for the series, but. You'll see the one where you, there's the lead character is this kind of like Mohawk looking yep. guy, and uh, you'll often see the because he plagiarizes the um, the I, I thought it was always attributed to Einstein, but the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Yeah. So people are like, oh man, that's deep. That's so cool. I've been hearing that for a this while, though. Guys, gotta figure it out. Yeah. So he's a decent villain, but and the villains are good in this game. Like they're mm. they're. And I think a good villain is someone that we were talking about last time, Thanos, is that someone that obviously insane and psychopathic, but you can kind of see elements. where he's coming from. <laughs> elements you can agree with. Elements you can agree with. And yeah. in this case, like the, so the, you're trying to, so the leader of the cult is Jacob Seed, or um, uh, John Seed, and his brothers are Jacob and Josh. And uh, then there's this other chick named Faith that I haven't quite gotten to yet. And each of them has their home thing where the one brothers is like kind of this motivational speaker. And he's like the power of yes. You need to say yes to doing things. <laughs> and he's, he's goofy. And the other one is all about like 
uh, culling the herd. We need to make everyone strong. We become weak with all, you go to a grocery store and you get all your food and uh, you don't worry about where anything's coming from. So what happens when it's gone? And you're like, oh, I can kind of see what he's talking about there. But what's with murdering everyone? I don't get that part. <laughs> but, um, but after you kind of kill them, there's this part where the the main antagonist kind of looks at you in this sort it's almost like you're hearing him talk to someone else but he's addressing the player and he's kind of describing what a tragic life these characters had and how they've how it turned them into what they were and mm. and just it's one of these moments where, huh, I wish you'd given that me a bit more but from beforehand but <laughs> Yeah, why didn't you tell me that? I still would have killed him but it's uh, <laughs> but that's what the main problem is that there's no there's this I'm not asking for you to be like talk talk it out with your friends or talk it out but there's not enough choice in like how you handle it. it's like always murder them always blow up these people always like brutally uh, slice and so dice you have your way one through. choice it's not a there's no choice so far pass. it's always just kill do the thing do the thing murder these people and do you ever cares. play twisted metal no on the playstation yeah twisted metal was like a a whole bunch of great genre it's cool dead cool cars that uh, have sweet weapons and yeah, they're all, all different and they all kill each other yeah or blow each other up um twisted metal black man that was PS2. so dark yeah and each person, if you beat them, you'd get their backstory. Yeah. And they were all just... Oh. They're dark. <laughs> I, remember, I was reading up about Sweet Tooth the other day because I was thinking, yeah. oh, I haven't heard from him in a while. But it's but that's what's missing is that um, beyond the fact that I love that genre of game, the, the, the car beat them up or the car shoot them up where it's like... Yeah. Because the, if anyone's played Mario Party before, when you do battle mode, imagine that except instead of like shooting shells at people, you've got machine guns and rockets. Apparently and, the only car games that could survive were Mario Kart and the super, super serious oh. Gran Torino type games. <laughs> Gran Turismo. Gran Torino yeah, is a great uh, movie. <laughs> Turismo. And I think the Burnout series did pretty well, but I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it was EA or Activision, but one of those companies did their damnedest just to kill it. And I'm pretty sure those games are toast now. And those games were all but just crashing. Like, yeah. what what do people like to see? Burnout. Burnout. And GTA is, I, I guess you could call it a... Carmageddon. Carmageddon, another vintage game. I think one of those ones that used to horrify parents and, yeah, it, like, yeah. censors would point it. Look You're at, not allowed to play that. Ban the sick filth. Yeah. But uh, it's it's Far Cry 5, I think, is an okay game. It's very pretty. It's obviously a lot of work has gone into it. I think it was Ubisoft Toronto that actually is responsible for it. So I got to give them a bit of cred and also my tax dollars to maybe help you, uh, um, subsidize maybe it. Maybe you met some of the designers. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> when, well, what was it, like eight years ago when it <laughs> popped in? Um, but I, I have a hard time justifying an endorsement of the game unless you really love the series and you don't mind dropping down whatever it is, $70 dues. All right, what do you give Far Cry 5 then? I will give it, so far, I'll give it uh, a B minus. A B minus? How many uh, I give it tortured people in cages out of five? I give it um, <laughs> six uh, mind-broken uh, assassins uh, out of ten. All right. Which yeah. is more of a C, I guess. But it's, it's it's an okay game, but it's very it's very pretty, very very pretty, and a lot of attention has gone to the the world. So, and if you want to, you can just go fishing. You don't have to shoot anyone. You can just catch a fish. Can you steal cars? Oh yeah, <laughs> most of the game is based around stealing rock, things. Rocket launchers. Yeah, yeah. Nice. It, and you can throw explosives, and what they blow crossbows? real good. Uh, I don't think it's a crossbow, but you get a bow and arrow, so nice. it's kind of a good mix. On that note, we're going to take a musical break. I'll be back in a second. Stay tuned. Thank you. 
body hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was The Blasters, Dark Knight. Um, I forget what year it came out and what album, but uh, I think it's most famous for anyone who uh, saw From Dusk Till Dawn. It's, uh, I think, the unofficial theme song to the movie, unless you want to call it the full theme song. Joel, what do you think of From Dusk Till Dawn? Have you seen it? Dusk Till Dawn. Is that the one with the vampires? Yes. And, uh, George Clooney. George Clooney. And Quentin, and Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino was like a central <laughs> He was figure. acting. Um... Cool ending. Yeah. 
it, it's a schlocky movie. It's kind of like, I don't know if it was before or after Desperado, but it feels very similar. It's even got Cheech Marin and a lot of this, lot, Selma yeah. Hayek, and it, it's almost like they were making it at the same time. Super goofy. It's very goofy, and it's like, yeah. it, but it's another one of these movies where the tone is kind of all over the place. So it starts off a little dark, and then it kind of gets um, fun. fun. Um, there's a good, it's, there's a great documentary called Full Tilt Boogie, which is basically a making of documentary about from dusk till dawn because there was a strike. I think it was a, I don't know if it was an actor strike or just like um, one of those uh, the the teamster strikes or something at the time when the movie was being made. So it was kind of uh, plagued by a bunch of production issues. But it's a very entertaining uh, documentary and it's one of the reasons why I think I like Tarantino on like a more a personal level because he comes across super friendly in the the documentary, like interacting with the crew and eating and just hanging out and joking and. He just it, it, he's like oh, but you know he's just a perfectionist too, right? Yeah. Well, it's not his movie; it's Rodriguez's. So he just <laughs> when you're acting as well as just you can, cashing in the paycheck, <laughs> just cashing in, probably having some fun with it. But I don't know if he has any other credits on it. But anyway, Blasters, um, Joel, what have we been up to on Sundays? Well, it looks like we've been, I think, and I'm, I might be a little off here, but we've been having a a bit of a run in with. Someone named Talos. Talos. In what? In what world, Joel? Talos the Destroyer, the Storm Lord. Is this a board game? Um, no. What kind of game is it? It's tabletop. A tabletop pen and paper, supposedly. Action adventure RPG. What's role playing? It's. I guess anything's role playing. That's uh, as long as you like have stats, because RPG has kind of evolved to the point that it's like anything that a character evolves and you play somebody else and you get stronger as time goes on. So it's it's Dungeons and Dragons, folks. Haven't been any dungeons, not yet. No dragons. No, no dragons. There is a dragon on the thing that is in front of the DM, and I think barrier. Mark has more or less insinuated that. If you come across a dragon right now, you'd you'd die. Yeah. So what role are you playing? For once, I decided not to go for the the rogue. I've decided to roll a, a Goliath, which is a giant mountain man. I guess he's eight feet tall normally. I gotta ask because you, you're doing this voice. Yeah. Are you the Incredible Hulk? You know, it's kind of turned into the Hulk. <laughs> I didn't mean for it to do it, but it was just like. It's a lot easier to do than <laughs> big softy, big softy. And tell us about your your new friend. So Gorgak is the name of this barbarian Goliath, and uh, we encountered a town that uh, when we approached it, we got in there and the place was deserted, and there were giant rocks thrown around, and the and then a fire started. We don't know who started it. Somebody was riding a horse, and there were goblins. And it looked like the town had been attacked. And later on, we got to the keep, and we found out it had been attacked by giants. And uh, at one point, my character and another character noticed that there was a... What's that? What is that in the air? A flitter. A flutter. A flutter. And we go in to investigate, and there's a cat with wings flying around. And it's called a a, a trellis? Trellis? Tremulus? Anyway, there's actual species in D&D of it, but... It's this adorable little kitty, I'm imagining, <laughs> that happens to have wings, and it just... Uh, I befriended it, and now it's following us around. And we handled a bunch of goblins that were sneaking around this village. Um, it looked like they were just scavenging. They were being pricks. And then we encountered 
well, a group of mafia, fake mafia members. Fake. Fake. Honestly, they were they were hiding. They hid in a tavern while we did all the work. And yeah. then they came out and they had the nerve to say, yeah, well, thanks. See ya. Yeah. They, this they, is our town now. They tried to, Joel asked to what, what we wanted to name the town to again. And they told him to buzz off. And then... And there was this serious babe. And I was like, hey, girl. And then she just ran off and got a shot full of arrows. <laughs> it's really disappointing. That's what's, What we've missed from this story is that at one point we get into a fight. with the We're, we're pushing and shoving. And all of a sudden a bunch of orcs show up out of nowhere. And it's like, oh, man. All right. We're going to deal with these guys. And then Alex Santamore, who's playing a warlock, uh, accidentally incinerated a bunch of orcs and then some of the people that we were... The accidental part is still in question. <laughs> they, were, they were in the path and they died. He did tell them watch out because he thought that was the right thing to do when you're aiming a spell at somebody. He warned them. There was nothing they could do, but he warned them. And then Joel kind of, I feel like, kind of got a taste of the bloodlust and yeah. the 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 I, other the rogue's boyfriend i saw which way the wind was blowing <laughs> i saw an opportunity <laughs> maybe you should be playing a rogue i don't know and then he went and stabbed the, <laughs> the with his with his pike i took a side spear. swipe with my with my spear yeah. and uh, a cheap shot well, let's be fair. A cheap we're, shot. we're fighting an orc together yeah. and bottom line is that the they're uh, all dead now. Everyone's dead. <laughs> <laughs> because our DM actually got bored that the fight went on so long, which it, I was rolling very poorly. I should have killed that guy a long, long time ago, but just had very frustrating rolls. Um, but this is our first real day of D&D. So we've, we did a practice round the, the weekend before, and it was fun. But this time was the first real one, and I really enjoyed it because there's a, the attention to world building that the book, because we're doing a standalone adventure... And the book really gives you a lot of stuff to work with as far as the DM's concerned. And I like being able to, for like, I really enjoyed it when we walked into a place that we stopped for a second and there was like a paragraph of text describing yeah. where we were or what was going you on. You know what I really liked is you could ask about something, and there's an like answer. a room or a well, yeah. and instead of, looks like it's a well. <laughs> <laughs> it is a well. <laughs> there was, yeah, like you said, just in, tons of information. Yeah. So you really felt like you were you were in the town you could imagine the town, which is, <laughs> let's face it, D&D is imagination. And that's the part, like, I think, it, it, what are you looking to get out of the game? And I think we've talked about this a while ago, but for me, my ideal adventure is, like, almost, I don't want to be rolling dice almost even. Or you just tell me to roll a dice occasionally. Yep. And it's more of a guided av- adventure, but it's it's so tough to do. Like, I, the joke is, like, the, the way community handled D&D and that yep. there's, one person kind of really guiding everything and it's go sequencing or whatever like that yeah. but so far this is really i'm enjoying the 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 deeper lore deeper world of the stuff yeah. that's you not to say yours a... didn't have tons of it either well you can tell there's a lot going on yeah. behind the scenes that we don't know about and even even you know this was kind of a it kind of reminded me of my attempt to to put us into a battle. No, because you, it was very. Oh, much I was thinking like, about that. I was like, "Oh, is he going <laughs> to shove like twenty people at us?" Because there's there's basically we could have just sat back and yeah. probably the fight would have resolved with the orcs dying. Yeah, there were so many allies. Yeah, or perceived. They allies. were all squishy too. I think the orcs were technically stronger, but maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong. But anyway, so it's it's actually very similar to Joel's world. Going back to that, where you you built all this stuff, and there's it didn't just exist. Like for the adventure, things were happening um, independently of, the... of it, and there was this entire world. And it's like, well, you can go here if you want. Obviously, I'd prefer you to go here because this is like kind of the way the adventure is, is kind of crafted. But yeah. 
You can do what you like. But I don't I don't think this is an open This is this is a well, if it was a DM and he had ideas, it would be called railroading. But this yeah. book I think has a path. Yeah. And we're happy to go on it. Well, especially because I think it's like the levels are very strict in the sense. So I think if we tried to that's not to say if we do something wrong, Mark won't improvise, but I say wrong, but maybe not in intended uh, order, but I have a feeling we just get stomped. If we yeah, we somewhere. run off and rent a plane and fly up into the clouds <laughs> and try to punch a, punch a giant and see what happens. <laughs> rent a plane. <laughs> that's fun. That's good. So anyway, that's D&D for us. Um, first official game of it. The other news is that, let's get rid of this fantasy music, as lovely as it was. Um, the Spiel Spieldiars. Joel, what are the Spieldiars? Um, I don't know. I don't speak German. Oh, okay. Well, that's the end of the segment, folks. Thank yep. you. <laughs> Actually, you know, we might struggle with the nominees as well. Oh, man. Just taking a quick look. and The Spieldiars uh, Game of the Year in Germany. Uh, do you know who puts it on? Uh, I'm just looking it up right now. Um, it is... <clears throat> Excuse me. A jury of German-speaking board game critics from Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. Mm. So it's a bunch of, I guess, <laughs> like actual. I'm assuming critics. that some of these critics are probably designers or ex-designers yeah. themselves, which is great. Um, and Spieldr obviously is um, sort of the European inqu- European equivalent to our board game geek ratings, I think, or board game geek game of the year. I think so. Although I think board game geek is more of like a people's choice thing because it's like I'll vote on it, but yeah. you never know. Well, you never know. I don't know personally, but so it holds a lot of pull. Yeah, exactly. So you'll often see on boxes, typically European games, yeah. <laughs> like uh, nominee for Spiel DR, uh, yeah, runner up, deeply or, respected. Absolutely, and to me, it's a sign of. That's not to say I've looked at some and go, hmm, really, but it's more just like you look at old. This was something that's brought up. You look at the old nominees for Spiel DRs. And then you look at the new stuff. It's like, wow, we've really come a long way that this is considered to be, like, this is dry as heck. And now we've gone up to something very flavorful and cute and yeah. just With, better. I think King Domino last year was really mm-hmm. step out of the out of the heavy Euro box, right? Absolutely. When you look at the previous ones, like, um, um, what was the, uh, well, the let's, city? So we'll just, let's do 2016 to... Um, Agricola's on there. So Agricola is somewhere on there. I haven't found it yet. 2011 or something. So we'll do 2014. So previous uh, game of the year was Camel Up, which is crazy because it's so, to me, Camel Up is something that if you say, Jack, let's play Camel Up, I'll say, okay. And Camel Up was, it seems like one of those. Not Camel Cup. Okay, never mind. I'm just kidding. I was thinking. No, I was thinking Camel Cup. Oh, were you? Yeah. I'm glad you said that because it looks identical. It's one of those jokes. Is that the way it's written? And it's like, oh, it's a racing game, so it's a cu- the Camel Cup is what you win, but it's about stacking the camels. Camel uh, up. Camel up. So it's it's just dexterity in a way. No, it's you're not required oh, okay. to. <laughs> well, I don't mean like there's a penalty for not stacking them, but all right. So and then you had Concept and Splendor uh, huh. as the next ones up, but the Connoisseur game of the year was Istanbul yeah. and then you had uh, Rock, Rococo uh, which I haven't played but I've heard great things and then you had Concordia so this is 2014 2015 game of the year Colt Express um, which I haven't played but I, I've, I've just I think it's a dexterity game it's around uh, it is a I always thought it was a kids game but then speaking of then you have Machi Koro which huh. is incredible that that's so they're also not 
it's it doesn't have to be a European game, and it's definitely it's not sort of biased towards Euros. No, no. So it's just like I think it just what did the Germans decide was <laughs> was good this year? It's the Germans. And then you have the game, which I never played, but I think it's like a trick taking game. Fantastic game. Yeah, yeah, I've been meaning to buy it for you because it's probably about ten bucks. It's very inexpensive. It's, it's a, a card deck game. Of cards, yeah. so. Um, Connoisseur Games, Broom Service, uh, which was Alexander Fister and uh, Andreas Pekin. Pelican? Fister. Yeah, Leah Ravensburger. Uh, that was the winner. Alexander Fister, also the designer of Great Western Trail and uh, Mombasa. And then there's Elysium, which is a game I've heard good things about, but um, I, I, there's been a couple times when I picked it up and I looked at it and it just looked dry as heck, and I was like, there's. Even for me, this is pushing it. <laughs> it might, I, I don't think I'll ever see it on the table. And then Orleans, which I'm Jack, quite who fond loves of. Alhambra, will not play this game. <laughs> I didn't say I wouldn't play it. I'm just, I know how to Alhambra plays, and I look at Elysium and I think, what are the odds that Kayla would sit down? What are the odds I could trick someone else to sit down? What are the odds I can trick myself into doing this? And just, which is just such a weird blind spot. But uh, so that's 2015, 2016. Code names winner, easy. Kodalame. Uh Vladimir or. Uh, Vladimir, oh, I, I thought it was Vlada. Interesting, they call him Vladimir here. Ch- Chavato, I don't know how to pronounce it properly. That's where it's like Vlada on the box. It's Vlada on the box, but yeah. I get, obviously it's short for Vladimir. And then you have Imhotep, which I've only ever played once. I enjoyed it, but it was something that I we did it. Two players isn't the strongest, and it was mm. neat, but it's just never been. It's on the shelf, and it's like, we need to try it again. No, let's play something else. It's yeah. just like one of those games. I was going to be the third pick. Yeah. Uh, Karuba, Rudger Dorn again. Um so those are the winner code names. Uh, connoisseur game of the year, Isle of Sky, Alexander Fifster again, uh, and Andreas Pelican, same duo as Broom Service. I love Isle of Sky. Joel is not as en- uh, enthralled by it. I know that Isle of Sky is a great game. Yeah. I just hate it. That's fine. Perfectly <laughs> fine. I want an expansion for it, to be honest. But uh, Pandemic Legacy Season 1, which we got to play a round of on yep. the weekend. I forgot to mention that. Which is still... After insane, what is it? Number two years. Number it's two? number two in the incredible, rankings. incredible, um, and time stories, which is a joke. I'm not going to talk about them. Boom. 2017, as Joel mentioned already, King Domino, uh, Bruna Cathala. Um, next one up, Magic Maze. I never got to play. Heard good things about it. And then number three, they're using the German name Vatlof Nach Eldorado. Uh, Adventures of El Dorado, Voyages of El Dorado. This is what the straight up or? Uh, pardon me. These are the the nominees from this was 2017. 2017 so yeah. King Domino won. Yeah. Uh, El Dorado is a really neat little game. Connoisseur game of the year. Exit. Das Spiel. Exit yeah. the game. Which was surprising until we played them. Until we played, because I thought these were just Man. like these are lame cash in attempts on the popular. Wrong. <laughs> Hold <No>. on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rotting myself. Uh, they're great games. Uh, earned. They earned it. Earned it. And then next one is Raiders of the North Sea, which I've heard good things about but haven't played. And Terraforming Mars, which I think I've got very hard opinions on Terraforming Mars. Yes. And which brings us to 2018. So, Joel, what do we got here? Yeah, let me read these out to you. Um, the the Quexel... <laughs> I'm not even going to try. <laughs> D-I-E, which is the Quarksidebur, which I assume is a is a sword made out of a duck. Von Quindenberg. From, no. from the place called Quindenberg. It, it is... I have no idea what this game is. I've never heard it. But the problem is they're using German names, so maybe it's something we know, but mm. just never come across it. This is the connoisseur game of the year, the Kinderspiel. Yeah. 
Ganschon uh, Clever, which I assume means uh, I sure hope I'm clever. <laughs> <laughs> and have heaven in the aisle. No, it's, it's English. <laughs> heaven and ale. Heaven and ale. Which uh, um, we're, we've noticed that there's basically just two nominees this year. <laughs> the, the two English Wolfgang Vosch is uh, is nominated for three different games this year, and he's yeah. brand new. He's like two in the same category too. It's kind of like being nominated <laughs> at Academy it's Awards up for himself. Yeah, somebody. I think it was a director was up against himself this year. Really? Oh, which? Ah, whatever. Well, I'll look it up later. Um. So yeah, those are the the Kinderspiels, and then we'll, we'll ignore the children games because I don't even know what they are, and I don't care. Now the game of the year ones are interesting. Joel, what's the th- number three? Well, on the list. The Mind, again by Wolfgang, but this time they've translated his game. It's a trick-taking game that I've heard is some good things about. Um, I think Shut Up and Sit Down did a video on it, but again, trick-taking games for me are just... I like hard games, but I have a hard time getting excited about them, even so if you say it's the most fun in the world. So it's, it's like hearts? I don't even know if it's like hearts. I, I didn't watch the review. I just, I'm pretty sure it's a card game based on taking uh, tricks in various forms. Mm. Um that's all I'll say about it. I could be completely off. That's all I know. Next one up, Joel. Luxor. Never even a, heard of it. It's a game about Lex Luthor. <laughs> but like, they, they just mix them the together. German version. <laughs> it's actually about uh, the, the <laughs> casino in Vegas, Joel. Really? No, it isn't. It's, <laughs> it's not about the Luxor. And, really? No, I wonder if it's about... It's got to have something to do with uh, Egypt, some sort of theme. But it's from Rutger Dorn, who has done so much good stuff. Really, like, yep. maybe one of my favorite designers. Famous but, like, dude. Don't know anything about it. Okay, Jack, number one, and is there a reason they put it up at t- at the top? It's just, I think, alphabetical. N- are you sure it's not just... They it's put, just nominated. They put two people below the game that will win? Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, <laughs> they, they are wasting their time. We all know yeah. who's won already. It's kind of like Gloomhaven. Uh, <laughs> Gloomhaven and not Up Gloomhaven. against everything else. It's kind of like, well, one in six categories <laughs> the game. What, would, are you nominated? It's like going up against Lord of the Rings in the final year. It's like, what's the point? want something ridiculous like solo game of the year it, solo game of the year makes sense actually i was actually thinking about how much fun it would be to play gloomhaven solo and then i realized it would, doesn't sound fun to me at all <laughs> i'd rather just control two characters it's, i could do the i could do the solo adventures uh josh has it printed at his desk and we could just take it he said we could it. have it <laughs> we could just take it and then we could all meet up and we could do our solo adventures and then we get sweet items that fit our character. What level are you supposed to be? Or does it scale? It's uh it's a prosperity level. Oh, okay. that's, right, that's right. That's right. Okay, we have got to have retired at least two characters. All right, we're there. We just did that. Yep. Um so we skipped over number 1 of the nominee and I think it's a lock. I'd be astounded yep. if something else won. Azul, which we've talked about a little bit recently and uh, I think it's already I'd be astounded if something managed to dethrone that, considering... Can't I, be touched. Maybe the mind is the only one that could possibly touch it, but Luxor, again, nothing against Rudger, but never even heard of it, so... Everywhere I look, they're playing Azul, man. It's spreading, it, and it deserves it. Absolutely. So just, you, Like I was saying, you know, Gloomhaven was so hot. It's, watch out! It's Azul. It's also that... Uh, they, f- they fit They fit different... Uh, needs well yeah they're totally different games and i don't know if i'd be sitting there and like uh oh mo- mom came over what it's no the real answer is food chain magnet it's just yeah like, so just to, for some perspective here and then the one of the frequent 
places people make fun of board game geek is the hotness list and that's where you really get to see how many are, it's all kickstarter stuff because everyone mm. feels excited about these games popping out it's rare that you see something that's non-kickstarter because people have a giant vested interest in those but uh, as joel was saying the um the top lists of oh i'm losing it right now i you think it's look at, like the top geek games? lists is a geek list you can just hit browse and browse by games oh okay and then that's it uh-huh. So, number one game, Gloomhaven. Number two, Pandemic Legacy Season 1. Number three, Through the Ages, New Story of Civilization. I feel like it's climbed up. Yeah, I think so. Which is funny, you know, because you look at the list, and I think when we looked at the list last time when yeah. we were on the show, we noticed that none of the games were more than two years old. Yeah, that's, some, yeah, that's something that a lot of people pointed out. Yeah. Now, Through the Ages, to be fair, it's been out for a while. Um, yeah. They re-implemented it recently to clean up some stuff. And Twilight Struggle was king for almost... a almost the, as long as I knew the website. 2005. So, been out yeah. for a while. They did do the Deluxe Edition. Terraform Mars 2016. Star Wars Rebellion 2016. Scythe 2016. Terra Mystica 2012. So, Twilight Struggle is definitely the oldest one on the list by far. Yeah. Of at least the top 10. The rest of them are all 2016. Oh, no. Castle of No, sorry. I'm, I'm too far down. Um, yeah, because you have pushed out by Seventh Continent. Seventh Continent. Tell us, tell us what you because you sent me a thing that was just I a didn't scathing. I review. didn't play it, but somebody I'm that it was your review. Somebody. But. I just want to be clear because I don't. I haven't played it yet. I'm not opposed to playing. It. I want to. I w- I'd like to experience it. But somebody posted this his impressions on Seventh Continent, and it was possibly one of the most acerbic uh, <laughs> takes I've heard about a board game in a long time. Super, super angry. Yeah. And maybe not angry, but just like it's, very frustrated. I, I don't know. I'd have to play it myself, but it seems like he kind of broke it down pretty. He, it was a great summary, and fairly. maybe we'll, maybe we'll bring it. I'll, I'll get it for next time we'll, and read in it. In summary, he said, "I'd rather play Time Stories." In, yeah, which is saying a lot. And to be fair, I didn't hate Time Stories when I played it, but it's not a good game. It's like it's <laughs> it's kind of like how I feel about Far Cry Five. I don't. It, I don't mind w- when I'm playing it, but it's like you realize it's not a good game or it's like it's just kind of popcorn. And yeah. Time Stories, at least, is so frustrating that you have to wonder how it got so popular so quickly. But it's one of these like cult of the news, like, oh, we've never seen a game like this before. Yeah. And people really love random experience generations. And that's why Seventh Continent that's, is so popular. Yeah, there's, there's definitely this theme of games which ah, they get so popular. But it's uh, the game plays you. Yeah. It's an experiential game. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 Dead of Winter. Dead of Winter. It's games that where you feel like where especially in time stories. No spoilers, but there are things you do that there. If from the first time you play, it is completely random whether you do this, and if you do do it, you lose. Start <laughs> go, you start again, and the whole point is you're supposed to be learning from your mistakes. But to me, that is a is a bad gameplay element, making me go through all these things over and over and yeah. over again. That's a computer game mechanic. Did you ever play that Super Mario where all the blocks were invisible and you never knew when you were going to die? No, I like never played that game. I <laughs> hate those. I like watching people play them. But I got through it. Did you? But it was just how many? So frustrating. You're like, you, uh, I'm gonna make it. Oh, oh yeah. There's those, a block there. Those sure. challenge mods are not for me. Yeah. It's I, I respect people. And now that they have Mario creator right which is very great uh basically uh, the community makes the levels <laughs> it's so if i had grown up with cruel. that i'd love it i but if i'd grown up with the mario maker i think that would have been absolutely yeah. crazy the amount of stuff you would have been making like we grew up with map editors for warcraft which was already special was, but yeah uh, i was always amazed with oh uh, time's up no no what were you gonna say 
uh, I was always amazed what people were able to accomplish just with a map editor. Well, so Warcraft 2 was so limited, but it's, once you hit StarCraft, that's where people really started breaking the engine and turning yeah. it into things that they wanted it to. And by the time War 3 rolled around, it was just like, Customizable. do whatever you like. Yeah. Anyway, I'm Jack. I'm Joel. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.